Did you know I wrote a book? My book, Diabetes Sucks, You Can Handle It, is your guide to managing the emotional challenges of type 1 diabetes. And I want to offer you the book for free. You can download the book by going to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash book. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash book. You'll join thousands of other people who have read this book and taken the skills and tools they've learned from this book and applied them to their lives with type 1 diabetes. You can download the book now and start implementing the tools today. That's www.thedibepsychologist.com forward slash book. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. Close your eyes for a minute and imagine five years from now, there's a cure for diabetes on the market and you are next in line. What sorts of thoughts go through your mind? What sorts of fears, excitement, worries? What would you be doing? I was thinking about this the other day, and I've had diabetes for 23 years now. And if I were given the cure for diabetes today or in five years, one thing that'd be on my mind a lot is trusting that it'll work. Diabetes has been a part of my life every day for a long, long time. And it's just part of what I do on a daily basis. I check my blood sugar, I take insulin, I count my carbs. And while thinking about the possibility of that going away sounds amazing, there's also a little bit of anxiety there. How will I know that my blood sugar won't go high? How will I know it won't go low? How will I know that my body will know exactly what to do? I recognize that many of these fears are irrational. That's kind of the point of the cure is for me not to have to worry about that anymore. But I think I might have a little bit of a hard time letting go. The same thing may be true right now for you in thinking about technology and trusting your technology. We have a lot of amazing technology out right now in the diabetes world. We have AID or automated insulin delivery systems. We have CGM, we have insulin pumps, and all kinds of other technology that helps us. But one thing I hear a lot is people not trusting the technology. And sometimes because it's just hard to trust something that's not you and your brain. In this episode of the podcast, I want to talk about how you can learn to trust your technology if it deserves your trust. And that's a big if. I know that it does most of the time. But let's talk about that. So first of all, let's talk about why this topic is important right now. It's important because there are a lot of people using diabetes technology every day right now. And in my experience, they're not using it in the best way possible, both for their diabetes management, their brain space, and their mental health. Let me explain what I mean. I see patients every day who are using a CGM. And they tell me all the time, 
I don't trust the numbers. That does a couple of things to their mindset and their way of thinking about diabetes. One is they're worried. If the numbers on their meter or their CGM aren't accurate, what does that mean? And it gets their mind racing. It gets their mind to a place where they're always thinking, always worrying, and not be able to trust the number on the screen. That means they're going to have a hard time uh, trusting themselves to make good decisions about what they're able to do, whether they can go on a hike or go exercise or to ride a bike at a certain time, because they think they don't have solid information about what their blood sugar readings actually are. And then, of course, there are automated insulin delivery systems, or AID, things like Control IQ and Medtronic 670G and Omnipod 5. And those are systems that are making decisions for you. And so learning to take your hands off your diabetes management and let an algorithm do the work for you can be really, really stressful. Of course, we want you to be as healthy as possible. And these systems are designed to keep you as healthy as possible while also reducing the emotional burden and the mental load of type 1 diabetes. But what we know is if you don't trust your technology, if you don't trust your CGM, if you don't trust the algorithm, then all of a sudden the emotional burden, the cognitive burden, as well as the physical burden of diabetes increases. And if I know you, I know that's the last thing that you want. On this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast, I'm going to give you three tips that you can use to build trust with your diabetes technology so you can use it, allow it to do its job, and take the stress off of you. But first, let's talk a little bit about trust and what it means to trust our technology. Just like in any relationship, your trust with your diabetes technology has to be earned. The last thing I'm going to tell you to do is trust your technology, whether it's your CGM or your pump or the algorithm, just because everybody tells you that you should. You have to learn for yourself. You have to build that trust for yourself. If that trust is broken, whether it is in reality or in your mind, that trust has to be rebuilt. You have to be able to trust your diabetes technology without question. And then know when it's appropriate to trust and when it may not be appropriate to trust your technology, and having the wisdom to know the difference. Think about a relationship that you have formed over the past couple of years. Let's say you start dating somebody new, or you meet a new friend. At first, you probably don't trust them a whole lot, not because they've done anything wrong, or they haven't broken your trust, but because you don't know them very well. And so as you get to know someone more, you may share more information. You may lend them money if they ask and other things that you would not do when you first meet somebody because your trust and your relationship has been built over time. I see this all the time in my work. When someone comes in to see me for the first time and I ask them questions, they may be a little bit reticent to answer them honestly. They may give me vague answers or not tell me the entire story. And that's totally fair. As time goes on, though, and they get to know me and know that what they say in my office is confidential, they start to reveal more information because they trust me. But that trust was not built in a day. It's built over months and years of work. 
The same thing is true for your diabetes technology. Hopefully not months or years. Hopefully it'll happen sooner than that so you can start using the benefits of it. However, you have to learn to trust your technology. And that trust takes time to build. So what does that mean? That means you give a little and expect something back from the technology. What you give it is wearing it. You start using it. And it gives you information that it can be trusted or that it can't be trusted. Just like in a relationship, if somebody breaks your trust, if someone lies to you or they don't keep something confidential that you really needed them to keep confidential, that trust is broken. And then you're probably not going to trust them again, at least in the short term. They have to rebuild the trust that's been broken. And diabetes technology is no different. We want you to build that trust with good evidence. And if the trust is broken for whatever reason, you need time to be able to trust it again. And I'm not suggesting that you should trust it again at all if you have good reason not to. I want to say, though, that in my experience, in the experience of all of my patients, technology for the most part can be trusted. I don't want to sow any doubt here that the technology on the market is bad at all. It's actually wonderful. I use it and many people that I know use it and trust our lives to it. However, I don't trust my technology because someone told me to. I trust my technology because I was able to get evidence, some really good evidence that the information and the way that it's helping me manage my diabetes is helpful, is safe, and it's going to reduce my both mental and physical burden of diabetes. And up until the point where I got that information, I was a little bit hesitant to trust my technology until I got more information and was able to become comfortable in that process. So my goal here is to give you a framework that you can use to allow the technology that you have to earn your trust. But in the end, it has to earn your trust. There's no way around it. So let's get to the tips. And let me give you three steps that you can take to allow diabetes technology to earn your trust. Tip number one, let the technology do its job. I know this may sound really obvious, but you have to let the technology do its job. And if you mess with technology while it's trying to do its job, it can't do its job well. Let me explain. Imagine that we took ourselves out of diabetes for a second and into the self-driving car world. So you get into your new self-driving car, you turn it on, you tell it where you want to go, and starts driving you there. But you get really nervous. You think, how can this thing change lanes on its own? How is it going to know where to go? How is it going to make sure it doesn't hit the car in front of it? So you put your hands on the steering wheel, and you try to override the brains of the car. And now you're fighting with it. Now it's trying to turn right, and you're trying to turn left. It's trying to go faster, you're trying to slow it down. And no one knows what to do. The self-driving car cannot work if you try to mess with it. The same thing is true for your diabetes technology, especially for AID systems or automated insulin delivery. Automated insulin delivery systems have algorithms in them, and they are meant to be left alone. The algorithms will change your basal rates. They may bolus for you. They may do a variety of things. But when you try to intervene while it's doing its job, it can't do its job well. 
So for example, if your blood sugar is 250 and you've gotten a correction bolus and you have enough insulin on board and you get impatient and so you give yourself an override bolus to try to bring your blood sugar down faster, the pump is going to have a hard time dealing with that. And you may go low or you may go high or something different may happen. When you try to mess with the system and the outcome isn't great, guess what happens? Your trust in the system goes down. But the thing is, the system should not have lost your trust. The system's doing its job, and you are trying to navigate around that and do its job for it. And two people can't do the same job at one time, especially when it comes to complex diabetes management. The only way you're going to be able to trust that the system is going to work is by taking your hands off and letting it do its job. Is that risky? Not really. The systems have been tested and are approved by the FDA and the other regulatory agencies. And so we know that they work. We know that they're safe. Will it be scary? Yes. Taking your hands off your diabetes management, especially when you've been hands-on for such a long time, may be terrifying for you. But the challenge here is not the technology. It's yourself and how you're getting in your own way of allowing the technology to do its job and to help you successfully manage your diabetes. Once you get out of your own way, then you have a clean slate to work with. And you can really see whether or not the technology deserves your trust. You can see whether your blood sugars are in range more. You can see how you feel. And you can see how the technology is supposed to work. Only then can you make an informed decision about whether or not you can trust your diabetes technology. So my advice to you is allow the technology to do its job. I know this is hard. I struggle with this as well. But I also know that when I take my hands off and allow it to do its job, it works wonders. And that's something I never would have been able to learn if I kept on trying to micromanage my diabetes over the technology. Tip number two, you want to forgive but not forget. There are going to be some times when technology does not work as it should. That's just a fact of life. It happens with our cars and our TVs and our computers. And it happens with IB technology as well. Sometimes you may have a bad sensor. Sometimes the algorithm on your pump may not work exactly as you want it to or as it's supposed to. And that's okay. But that does not mean you need to abandon technology altogether. You want to keep this in mind and forgive the technology and give it a second chance. And see what happens. It's likely that your sensor was just bad or that there may have been some human error in how you use the pump, which may have impacted the algorithm. Those things happen. But you have to forgive it and move on. However, don't forget You always want to give your technology a second chance, but maybe not a third chance. You want to give it a chance to show you that it deserves your trust. As the saying goes, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And if you're seeing patterns of technology not working and not giving you the best information and the best diabetes management possible, it may be time to step away. But don't allow one instance of challenge 
to eliminate your use of technology. You want to be able to get evidence that it was the technology as a whole that's not working for you and not a single sensor or some sort of human error with the algorithm or other factor that was out of your control. But of course, if you're seeing patterns that are impacting your ability to manage your diabetes well, giving you bad information, then it may be time to stop using that specific technology. Which then leads me on to tip number three. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are certain technologies, CGMs and algorithms, that work really well for some people and not for others. And I have no idea why this is the case. I've heard this a lot, though. Some folks have a CGM sensor that consistently does not work. Maybe it's something with the pH balance in their skin or the way the sensor interacts with their interstitial fluid. I'm not sure. But some people have more challenges with their sensors than other people. Also, the algorithms work differently for different people. And some people may be better off using one algorithm as opposed to the other. So that being said, if you try one technology and find that it doesn't work for you, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because one technology didn't work for you does not mean that all technology won't work for you. There are many options out there for you in your diabetes technology. So try different options and see if you can find one that works for you, your lifestyle, and your diabetes management. I really want to make sure that you are set up for success with using technology. Technology over the past 10 years has changed tremendously, and it's changed the game of diabetes management for the better. It's made people healthier. It's made us feel better emotionally. It's made us feel better physically, and it's taken a huge cognitive burden off of the daily stress of managing diabetes. Sure, there's still stress there. It hasn't taken it all away, but certainly come a long way in reducing the stress of diabetes and making us feel better physically. There's no doubt about that. But it can't do that unless you trust it and you engage with it and you let it do its job. And so I hope that these tips have really helped you to think about how you use technology, how you learn to trust the technology, so you can get the most benefit out of it, both with your diabetes management and with your emotional health. So to recap, here are three tips I shared to help you trust your technology. Tip number one, let the technology do its job. Keep your hands off and let it run. Only then can you get the evidence that you need that it is trustworthy. Tip number two, forgive, but don't forget. Give technology a second chance if it doesn't work for you. More likely than not, it was just a bad sensor or some human error. But if you see a pattern that shows you evidence on a regular basis that your technology is not trustworthy, then you may want to think twice about using that specific technology. And tip number three, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're lucky right now that we have many options in the diabetes tech that we use. So if one type of tech doesn't work for you, don't give up on technology altogether. Find other technology you can try and develop trust with. It's possible, I promise. That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and share it with a friend. 
send them an email or a text with a link to the episode, and let them know that they would enjoy it too. That helps me get the word out about this podcast. And of course, I always love hearing from my listeners. So please send me a DM on Instagram at the Diabetes Psychologist, or send me an email to mark at thediabetespsychologist.com. I would love to hear from you. And of course, be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Remember, type 1 diabetes is not easy, but you can have an easier time with it. And I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Podcast.